Spectrum is brought to you by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. Before a new idea can become a way of thinking, before one detail can flip the narrative, before anything that matters can change the world, it must, above all, be known. The duty of the Scripps College of Communication is to bring forth the people who bring forth the knowledge, by word or image or data stream and in every medium and by all means, they succeed. They say, make it loud, make it clear, make it known. Learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. Welcome to Spectrum. I'm your host, Tom Hudson. On Spectrum, we cover a wide range of topics that are important to our lives. We feature journalists, authors, scholars, policymakers, activists, scientists, innovators, and some people who just have fascinating stories. Today's guest is Beverly Jones, executive coach, author, attorney, and host of the popular podcast, Jazzed About Work. Bev also is a veteran of fighting for women's rights since the 1960s. We talk about today's conditions for women and whether time-tested advocacy strategies still work in 2022. Bev, your, your whole career has been, uh, I, I characterize it in the role of advocacy. Um, you know, when you were at Ohio University, you were advocating for women's causes in in various ways and various formats. You went on to law school. You you started advocating uh, for all kinds of issues. It seems now we're at a really critical juncture in our history, and. I guess my opening question to you is, having been a veteran of the last 40-some years in, in professional life, will the same kind of advocacy work between wow. now and to solve some of the problems we're currently facing? Or is that old-school advocacy and will it not work? Well, there are a bunch of questions kind of folded up into that. Yeah, then break them down as, All right. you, so, as you wish. So advocacy is maybe you, you always have a value, something that you care about, something that matters. You have a message, and you have a delivery mechanism. And the way we frame our messages, the way we communicate has changed drastically since you and I were um, working at WOUB talking yep, about right. things many years ago. Um, and so framing the message is different, but certainly delivery is different. Um, if I were starting something new today, of course, I'd start with social media. I would you know, do things in a very different way. But I think that the beginning part of advocacy is the same, and that more people um, than ever recognize they have a role to play. Advocacy begins with having 
a value set, of having the self-awareness to know that there's some things that matter and matter to you, and having that feeling that even if you can't do much, each of us has the opportunity and, and, and I believe the responsibility to do a little something every day to support the values you care about. And whether this takes the form of doing something kind or speaking up about an injustice or trying to figure out a problem, I think more people believe that being a responsible um, person is not just about being nice in your own little family. It's about doing something for the greater good a little bit every day. And so I, I, I think there is more potential for advocacy at every level, although it's hard to predict how those messages are going to be framed or delivered. Does that kind of get at what you're yeah, asking? Yeah, it, it does. It, and I, this is difficult to, to frame, but, but when you started out after – college and when you were doing your MBA program and working for the president of Ohio University, you were addressing some obvious and blatant injustices between men and women yes. from salaries to job opportunities to educational opportunities. You were the first MBA uh, w female uh, in the MBA program at, at a major state university. You know, those things were obvious and, you know, you advocated for change and many of those things changed. Some of them didn't, but, you know, you could almost have a scorecard of what changed and what did not. It seems like issues today, especially in women's issues, um, are more subtle or 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 more hidden. So that's why I was asking the same kind of advocacy that uh, you had, I see what you're saying, yeah. That you had would still work today. Well, I think it felt more um, black and white rather than gray areas yes. of subtlety because if women are being paid two-thirds of what men are being paid doing the same job. That is pretty clear. And you don't have to describe why it's wrong. If you believe it, you have to fight to have other people believe the same thing you do. What I think is more complicated today is that no issues that involve equity or fairness or the survival of the species, n none of those are discrete issues. What it took me a while to learn is that you cannot have an environment, whether it's a university or a workplace or a family or whatever, you can't really have an environment for uh, equity for women unless there's equity for everybody. I mean, the, the thing is that we all of the issues are tied together. You have to recognize, if you're really going to make a difference, that every single person has value. And so 
that kind of complicates it because you get into um, issues related to just every aspect of life, and you can't do everything at once. So it's much more complicated because things don't because now we're more sophisticated about how everything works together. It seems like things are more diffused. They are. They're diffused. They're, they're, um, and and yet there's so many fronts. It's like, uh, you know, we had when you and I were in college, we were. I I was, and I think you were too. We we were involved in several things. We were involved in civil rights activities, Correct. as they were then defined. We were involved in fighting the war in Vietnam. Correct. And then um, eventually we were involved, including you, in, in supporting the right of women to have an equal position. And those were kind of clear cut. But now we know that you can't – if you can't – women can't have um, – Fairness, if everybody can't have fairness, you don't know where to begin. And so that's why I use the word framing. We can't do everything. We, the, the trick in advocacy is finding an issue that is small enough that you can state it clearly and do a little bit every day, and that is your thing for a while. And so if you're fighting for issues related to women, it doesn't mean that you don't know about these other things. It means you come up with one thing. Maybe it's, um, so we were lawyers. Women are still way behind at the top of law firms and general counsel's office and things like that. So your issue becomes getting um, a wider range of folks, getting more diversity in the offices of senior lawyers. That's kind of manageable. And you can state that and you can do it um, in a sort of a logical way, and you can get something done. In a systematic way. Systematic way, exactly. The fact is that I think now it's more important than ever to kind of pick your issues and recognize that you can't do everything, and you, it'll drive you mad if you try to do everything. And so you, it becomes more important to be able to notice the spot that you're in and articulate the specific issue that you're going to, or issues, but you can only do so many, articulate those, and then figure out, okay, here's the audience I'm trying to reach, and here's the way I'm going to reach it. It might be face-to-face. It might be on TikTok. There's so many things. Right. But but you have to uh, be willing to try whatever is the best way to reach out to the audience that you're trying to reach. So we we all have to be a little more sophisticated about how we deliver messages. I'm struggling how to how to frame this question, but it seems that when you were doing your advocacy back in the late 60s, early 70s for equity and pay and and various other women's rights. You were part of a whole generation that was involved in some kind of advocacy at some level. When things started getting a little better, and I, I don't want to get into the merits of the case, but after Roe versus Wade, after 1973, uh, there was still advocacy. There were still issues. Uh, 
But as the generations have followed, they've had less of a fight. Yeah. So young people today, especially young women today, probably don't see the issues like you did back in the early 70s. They haven't had to confront some of the same issues. Now, with the change of, in reproductive rights from the Supreme Court and other issues, they're going to have to face some of the issues that you faced. Yeah, and I, I think I want to answer this in two different ways. Um, one is why I th think there's going to be a new wave of women concerned about the status of women, but also how, how so many issues from climate change to aging um, to dealing with um, people with all kinds of physical issues. They're Health all issues, thumbs yeah. up. So I'm going to get back to that. But okay. on the topic of women's issues, certainly we're hearing more from young women. I think what you're talking about with women's issues, we're talking about you know people like us who are in college or jobs or and want to be able to get equal pay and things like that. And equal opportunity. Equal opportunity, um, want to make an equal contribution, and all those kind of things. But that is a rarefied luxury in the history of the world. That what got me, what pulled me in to fighting it is that certain activities and behaviors at the time caused me to look around and think, wow, they really hate us. There's a big chunk of people, including some women, who genuinely felt that women did not have the same potential, they did not have the same capability, and they did not have a right to be involved in the workplace or the education system because they didn't have the potential to be fully developed and make a real contribution. It used to be felt that women should not be allowed in professional programs like law or medicine or engineering because they just drop out and have babies or maybe, you know, they couldn't carry it, you know, beyond a year or two. And why waste an education on people who didn't have everything it takes to be a grown-up? And when that struck me that, oh, my God, they really do believe I'm it inferior and um, they really and then you notice that there are there are people who I I think hate women I mean who if you look around what's happening in the world if you look around what's happening in the Middle East if you look around education of girls in Africa there's so many places where it's at least as blatant as it was in our cozy time at Ohio University so I think where the difference is is that we looked just around us, and we saw the blatant things. And now what you have to do is you have to look around the world and, and say, you know what? They're going to come for us, potentially. If they're coming for um, women, if they're coming after women and trying to limit their right in the Middle East, that shows an assessment of women is inherently incapable and inferior. And if there's any part of the human universe where people think that way, we're all vulnerable. So the, we are going to see women, I think, responding 
to Roe v. Wade, but I'm hoping that because there's more awareness of what's happening around the world, they'll realize it's not just little, this little thing. We are going to have to be aware of the need to support the legitimacy of women in the full world for the rest of our lives because there are places in the world where it's terrible and it could happen here. So, so in the women's issue, um, we are, we're going to see more, but I hope it includes an awareness of what's happening around the world. With your experience and your age, and I mean that in a, in a good way, and your maturity, do you feel that you're still part of the fight, or or you are you ready to pass the torch and say whatever? I'm I'm I've run my race and I did as much as I could. I'm done. I feel like um, now's the time we can really make a difference. There's not much that we have to risk. I mean, we've had our. Um, many experiences. We've learned a lot of skills. Um, many of us are fortunate in that we have our retirement set up. We have, you know, that nest egg so that we don't have to be driven by that. We, we have less to risk than somebody who's got kids at home. Or, um, and I think now is the time where the people I know who weren't socially active, and by socially active, I mean active on issues and things like yep. that, not active in parties. Political and culturally active. And, yeah, yeah, and, and it, it can be, it doesn't even have to be political. It can be, how can I make this community better to serve all the people? Now, um, we have the time, we have the smarts, we're not afraid, we're, afraid, we're not afraid of failure, like we used to be, because we have failed so many times, we learned that, oh, well, you bounce back, you live through it. So we are potentially fearless, and we have resources to bear, and we know how to do it, and we want to do it every day. And I think that is a part of the, um, the new generation of older people, is that we are... Um, we were activists when we were young, and now we're going to be activists again, and we're going to be smarter and better at it. I, I feel, as uh, a former activist, I guess, a young activist, that now as I'm older, that m any accomplishment that I felt partly responsible for in the area of civil rights or human rights or gay rights or whatever has been taken away or is being threatened to be taken away. And that gives me two emotions. One, incredible sadness that after 50 years we've not progressed as far as we should. But it also gives me incredible rage. Well. I think you're looking at a microcosm. You're looking at kind of a smaller spectrum than I'm trying to look at. I I think I feel more optimistic than you. Uh, for one thing, maybe in terms of women's issues, certainly, you know, uh, there's so many things that, that have changed. But I, I think I see 
the world in a different way. And let me, um, and let me tell you how I've sort of gotten sure. into, oh, I don't know, um, the, the science uh, of how the brain works and how the body works and those things have helped me see things in a different way. If you look at how people have evolved as a species, going back to ancient days when we had our, our ancestors were like hunters and gatherers, uh, human beings who were successful um, learn to be learn how to connect with other human beings. And now we understand much more how attuned people are, how, how we mirror each other, how, how we cannot survive without connection with other people. And that was how we sort of set ourselves apart as a species from um, other creatures. We, we developed a sense of um, caring about other people in our tribe. But there was a dark side of that, and that is that we felt that people who were not in our tribe were bad, were not worthy, were less than, things like that. And, and so if you look at wars, if you look at um, dividing uh, people in your community into men who are strong and leaders and women who have to stay at home, it's all about thinking, this is my small little tribe and we are the chosen ones. Um, what has what is happening now, and, I, and in a weird way, the climate crisis is helping us see that, is that our tribe, if we're going to survive, if the world is going to survive, our, we ha, we're starting to learn that our tribe is not the people who look like us, who go to our church, who follow the same football team. Our tribe is much bigger than that. Our tribe is not just, uh, you know, women who work at this place. Our tribe is not just people here in the United States. Our tribe is the people in the world, and we are all connected. And then, as you keep thinking about it, we, you think, oh my gosh, this is kind of a small little planet, and. Every living creature on it, it kind of depends on the same system, and it is time for us to take a broad view. And I think that young people, unlike us, we were looking, you know, what yeah. can we do at OI University? I think uh, young people are recognizing that our tribe is like the whole world and that we have so many issues that we can pick from, and some of them are going to be up at the moment. Some of them are going to be down. That's just how change happens. Um, there are short-term wins and short-term losses, but we are somehow moving toward a time when there's awareness that we are all connected and we all have rights and we all can contribute in our local way. We can only we start right where we are and we can't do everything. But if we have an understanding that the whole world is our tribe and every, everybody's got to be included in the access to resources and, and whether you can pick so many issues, income inequality, um, prejudice based on Food all kinds of things. Food yeah. inequality. All of those things, they're all kind of connected. Um, and every one of us has something in front of us that we can choose to do. We can't do everything, but if we all kind of work on something today, 
with a recognition that we're part of a very big tribe, I think that may be the tipping point. That may be a big tipping point in how the world goes forward, and it's going to have to do that for climate issues and some of the big issues. And I suspect that you know some of the issues of gender equality and things like that, they're going to be addressed if the bigger picture is one that everybody is connected. All right. G- given your tribal example and and I I follow your your reasoning and it it sounds totally reasonable to me. But then the voice in the back of my head says, well that's juxtaposed against political tribalism like we've almost never seen. That's right. Uh and that seems to be getting in the way of global tribalism. I, I, I think you're right. And and so I, I think my big picture is somewhat optimistic because I think young people are so much more aware and connected and so forth. The For me, um, the scariest things right now in our country, um, they aren't women's rights. I really feel like women, the younger women are going to get engaged and, and they're going to fight and we're going to we're going to bounce back some way or another. I, th- I think it is um, maybe how the courts are becoming politicized, how, um, you know, I spent all those years in Washington lobbying for alternative energy and things like that, and we all used to go to the same parties, Republicans, Democrats. You treated each other with respect. Senators um, played, you know, tennis on the uh, top of the Hart building, and they uh, played tennis with whoever was a good match, They and then they went down and fought, but they connected as people. Now, when I was uh, working at the Supreme Court, uh, Justice Brennan, Chief Justice Rehnquist couldn't be further apart judicial philosophy-wise. They had a poker game every Tuesday night. Absolutely. Uh, Justice uh, Scalia, arch-conservative, best friends with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah. <laughs> I, a- a- absolutely. Um, so that is, for me— the scariest part, maybe because uh, though I haven't practiced law for a really t- long time, I kind of look to um, the legal structure to sure. our courts and so forth, and that really matters to me. And I think that, for me, is the scariest part. But at the same time, what I see is lots of other people are worried about it. And lots of other people are saying, oh, my gosh, we've got to reach out. We've got to play a role. I, I, Because I'm able to live in a community of people who don't have to worry about where they're going to eat and where they're going to um, age in place and all of those kind of things. Maybe I'm hanging out with more people who are wanting to make a difference, but I think um, there are lots of areas where people are trying to grapple with this issue. You know, my husband and I are doing a lot in the um, Nonprofit journalism. That's right. one of the ways where citizen journalism and having good community reporting again. So th- there, there's so many fronts when their things are being um, addressed. And there's also uh, so many more ways that we understand that human beings are connected one to another that I think we're seeing the beginning of the tipping point. I, I, I think if we can just keep the, the, 
the Constitution working long enough that we're going to get through this really toxic period. And um, it may be what's going to um, take us there is hurricanes and horrible events that cause us to put aside our differences and work together to support each other. So, I, I, you know, it's all these issues do come back sometimes to climate and to, to the things that are beyond our control where we have to get together. And you do see that happening. You do see uh, communities come together after difficult things happen. Yeah, and we certainly have had a, a run of hurricanes and floods and fires and, and, and fires heat. and and, and uh, Mother Nature events uh, that have uh, altered people's lives and not just for the moment, but their lives long term. And there have been responses of people understanding at a gut level that we are connected and they're not going to ask how you voted before they like put you in the boat and take you off your roof. Well, you talked about tipping point and, and you hearken back to natural disasters as a way to come together. Do you think that we can reach this tipping point without addressing the political chaos that we're in? Or do you think that uh, – you know they can they can run simultaneously. I think, I I think they can. They're interlocked, but you can take it's it's like a ball of string of all tangled up, but at, with a lot of little starting points. You can there's not one starting point that for one person it may be. I'm going to get to know the people in my community, and I'm going to look for ways that we can get together on things that serve everybody in this little community. Other people are going to say, you know what, I'm going to run for office, or I'm going to get involved in creating a different kind of political environment. I think everybody can do something. It doesn't, there's no starting point. It is um, a matter of getting enough people to say, I'm going to do something today and figuring out where I'm going to do my thing. And it does feel to me that um, in my circle of friends, um, and and I'm not talking just about people our age. I, yeah. I'm talking about You have people, a broad spectrum. Yeah. I, I, I've, I don't think I've ever had as many friends want to make a difference. I Just before I came here, I was speaking to this fabulous group of young women who were talking about what they wanted to do for their career. And they wanted to, um, they were concerned about other people. They had jobs in education or advocacy or uh, client change. All of the things they were thinking about were other oriented. They Nobody was talking about earning money or those kind of things. They, every single one of them, as we talked about what they wanted to do, they wanted to have a career that would make a contribution. I think I, I see that more than I've ever seen it, and it's partly because life is scary and so many bad things are happening. But, you know, all right, now this sounds arrogant, but there have been a few times in my life where I felt like I jumped ahead. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, you know, I'm, sometimes you learn things little by little and sometimes you just have this big aha moment. Right. And that's how it was for me as a very young woman, as a girl, that I recognized that, oh gosh, women aren't treated 
well, and we've got to fight to have equality. Well, I feel like in my head I've, I've jumped forward, and what I am seeing is a kind of an awakening that's broader than anything I've experienced, and I don't understand it all. I don't have to. But to me, it feels like people are connected and energized in a way that I haven't felt before. And so I sort of, I, I cannot make a lawyer's case that that's the truth, but I feel like I can get in touch with caring people every day in a way I, 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 I didn't 30 years ago. Well, Bev, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And personally, you know, you are always the uh, beacon of hope for me <laughs> as I mire down in my cynicism <laughs> and curmudgeonism. Uh, you're always uh, got hope and, and light at the end of the tunnel, and, and uh, I value our conversations. Well, I just want to say I value them too, and I also – more than once, I've had to remind you that you're cynical, you're curmudgeonly, all of those kind of things, and yet all the time you're helping younger people, all the time you're doing good things, all the time you're trying to raise issues. So I use you as an example of why there can be hope. Anybody as skeptical and um, annoyed as you is still doing good things. So you see, that's why we're all going to get somewhere good. With that, we'll end. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Today's guest was Beverly Jones, executive coach, author, attorney, podcast host, and advocate for women's rights. We talked about advocacy and the status of women in 2022. Spectrum is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our co-producer. I'm your host, Tom Hudson. Please subscribe to Spectrum. You can do that at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or at NPR One. And Spectrum also is available through the NPR Podcast Directory. We always welcome your feedback, so please rate our podcast or review it through one of your favorite podcast outlets. If you have questions or comments about our podcast or have suggested topics for us to cover, please direct them to me by email. You can do that at hodson at ohio.edu. That's hodson, H-O-D-S-O-N, at ohio.edu. Have a good day, everyone. Mm-hmm.